Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Um, Today, just a quick note, Um, this podcast is being put out on Saturday. I didn't publish anything yesterday on the podcast because I was just getting over a case of bronchitis. So my co-host in Zambia, Matali, has uh, recorded her uh, segment And then uh, I'm recording my segment today, so I'll publish it today uh, on Saturday. Sorry I'm a day late, but in any event, uh, we'll get it out there, and um, we're finishing up uh, getting over the bronchitis. So now today we are starting a a new book of the Bible. It's called Hosea, and so we're going to start Hosea chapter 1. We're going to be starting in verse 1. And going down through, um, we'll finish up through verse 11 in chapter 1. So let's get started. Now, this is a book, the, the, the word, uh, the name Hosea means salvation. So uh, this is a, um, this prophet, Hosea, um, it's an interesting book um, so far. I've not studied it totally, and I'm really excited to start. Um, but it's a story. It's a story like a love story. It's a tragic love story. It's about a man who marries uh, uh, his bride, is unfaithful, and uh, she has three children. Apparently, one child is uh, with the the man who marries her with her own husband. And because she's such an unfaithful bride, she has two more kids by people not with uh, from her husband. And she ends up <clears throat> um, leaving her husband and being in a, uh, the sort of entering the world of the whoredom and so um, unfaithful bride. Uh, so this gives a picture of this uh, bride and bridegroom analogy that we see many times in the the Bible. We saw it, uh, my mind goes over to Song of Solomon, where you have the analogy of the bride and the, and the, um, uh, the bridegroom. 
And so, um, but we see a lot of imagery here as the nation Israel is like the unfaithful bride. And um, so it, it gives you an insight into what God's heart was like, how his love for um, the nation Israel um, was played out. How do you feel? I mean, are you in a situation where you've loved someone, but they don't love you back truly, or they say they love you, but they really don't um, put that into practice very well? Well, it tears your heart apart. And so we get this book. I think God is using this prophet, Hosea, um, basically, we get to see how God's heart is being torn apart. And Hosea was a contemporary of Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah was the prophet in the southern kingdom. And remember, we usually said Jeremiah was the prophet that weeps. He was the weeping prophet. He was the prophet who had to go around pretty much warning the southern kingdom that there were they were going to be overthrown. And they were overthrown. They were overthrown by the Babylonians. And the Babylonians came in, you know, and, uh, of course, um, they took all the people to Babylon in slavery. That was with King Nebuchadnezzar starting all that. Well, you've got Jeremiah in the southern kingdom trying to warn them. You've got Hosea warning the people in the northern kingdom. Now, the northern kingdom was called Samaria, um, Another name for the northern kingdom was Ephraim. Okay, so, uh, and of course, another name for the northern kingdom is Israel. Now, the southern kingdom uh, is called Judah. So, in this regard, Hosea and Jeremiah are both contemporary prophets of one another. And so, um, that's kind of... Interesting that God uses both of these fellas to display what his heart must be feeling like as uh, the northern kingdom gets ready to be destroyed and the southern kingdom eventually gets ready to be destroyed. This is the these are this is the nation Israel that God had set up and God had promised the people He was giving them, but of course. They were not keeping his commandments. They were not keeping his laws. Their hearts were hardened. They were unfaithful people. And, of course, God knows this. And basically, these people and these kingdoms become worthless. And so, as he said in other other verses, it's like when you have uh, a vineyard that doesn't produce any good grapes, it's only producing Uh, sour grapes, what's the only thing you do? You burn all the the vineyards up so that you can replant and try to regrow and restart. That's the only thing left. So God gives us a window into his thinking and into his feelings um, in this book of Hosea, and just as he did in the book of Jeremiah. So the three children so far that... uh, uh, Hosea's wife had Gomer. Gomer is her is her name, uh, the unfaithful wife. And so 
the, she has three children, and these three children, the first child, it looks like the first child uh, was born with uh, Hosea, and this first child's name is Jezreel. And then that translates into God sows. Now, God told um, Hosea exactly what names he was going to name these children. And he tells um, Hosea that to go take a wife, but, but he's telling him that this wife's not going to be faithful. Unfortunately, God already knows that the wife is not going to be faithful. So we've seen this in the book of Isaiah, too, that God tells the prophets sometimes to have children or to name the children certain names to use the children to illustrate certain principles or to, uh, certain parables uh, or things uh, for people to understand where he, his will is. And that's exactly what he's telling Hosea to do in this book. So the first child that he has with Gomer, his own child, is Jezreel, and that translates into God sows. But then... When the wife becomes unfaithful, uh, the next child is Lo Ru Hama. Lo Ru Hama. I hope I'm pronouncing that close. But Lo Ru Hama is, uh, that translates into no compassion um, or no mercy. Okay? And that means. Um, that's what it translates into. And so it's like God saying with the second child that is born uh, out of uh, the marriage, it is born in sin, and it is born uh, totally against what God was um, uh, teaching, that shows that this child is not going to have compassion. It doesn't receive the compassion of the Father. Now, the father meaning Hosea. So when Hosea being the father, that's, he's kind of representing God. And God is, is giving a name to this child, no mercy, no compassion. That's Every father has mercy on their own child. But now God is using this to show a visible image of what this child represents, what this child represents on the actions of the mother and what this is what this is uh, producing and this the actions of the parents are producing a new generation of children uh, in Israel that God will not have mercy on and then this third child that she ends up having um, you know and he's telling Hosea right up front, you know, what's going to happen, you know, and she's going to have a third child, Hosea, and it's not going to be your child either. And the third child is going to be named Lo Amam Ami, Lo, Lo Ami, Lo Ami, okay? And that translates into not my people. And Lo Ami is, is going to be another son, Lo Ruhama is uh, a daughter. Okay, so Lo Ami uh, is going to be this other child, and this child's name translates 
into not my people. So this third child, this third child, this son is going to be not even my people. Okay. And so these are strong images using the children to show what happens to um, the nation Israel. And God's heart must be being torn apart because he's showing how terrible it must be to be a parent and to be a parent of a, of a child that uh, is not even your own child. This child is not of my people. This is a child that is completely born in sin in the wrong circumstance and doesn't receive the blessings that was promised through the marriage relationship. And so it, it kind of points out what a terrible situation God the Father is in because God the Father is, you know, is a God of love. So this gives you a window into what God's feelings were like. So with that overview, we'll jump in. Chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Barry, in the days of Uzzah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. So as, as McGee points out, these kings date Hosea as being uh, a contemporary of Jeremiah. And of course, Hosea uh, is a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel. Um, and Jeremiah would be a prophet in the southern kingdom. Verse 2, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take yourself a wife of Fordham and have children of Fordham, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Now, <clears throat> this is a commandment uh, to go get married, take, do this, take yourself a wife. And he's telling um, uh, Hosea, now my study Bible and kind of McGee is pointing out that it's not necessarily saying go marry specifically, you know, the whore, but it's sort of saying that this whole land is unfaithful and that he's sort of foretelling him that it's, you know, you need to marry and have, you know, children, but the, he's sort of telling him that these, you know, this wife is not going to be a faithful wife and the, the, this whole nation is, is um, the whole land is representing the the unfaithfulness that the your wife is going to represent, and so he's kind of saying that your wife is going to sort of it's going to be a parable of what um, the whole land is all about, and so I th so it, it to me it's it's such an amazing um, it's an amazing commandment. Because he's saying, because or for this land is is in such terrible condition, it, it the people are in such terrible shape 
the whole land is like uh, in a land of whoredom. Everything is so bad right now. <clears throat> There's nobody for you to have children with that is going to be uh, any any good for you. I'm warning you. I'm telling you it's time to get married or I need you to get married um, because I need to work my purposes through your family. I need to work my purposes through you, um, Hosea. You are getting ready to be put through the task. You are getting ready to have to deal with uh, an unfaithful wife. Sorry about that. You are getting ready to have to figure out how to try to raise children the right way. And some of your children that you're going to have to to raise are going to be your own, but, you know, like your first child. But some of these children that you're going to have to raise are going to be completely in sin. They are going to be children you're going to unfortunately have to deal with. And everything is going to be wrong uh, with them. And so you're going to have to be put to the test, Hosea. So he's, I think, as as I read through this over and over and over, I think that's, there's so much emotion here packed into this verse. And when you begin to look at it and see how must that have felt like if you were Hosea to be told, I need you to do this and it's not going to be easy and you need to be faithful to me to help you do what you have to do. And can you relate to that? Um, <clears throat> maybe you've got a relationship that is that you are trying to, to, to follow the Lord, but the person in your relationship is not following the Lord, <clears throat> or the person in your relationship is not holding the Lord in their heart like you are. And, and God is saying, I need you to do this, and I need you to show others the love I have for you and my people through the relationship I have provided you with. And that relationship I am providing you with, I need you to show my love to this person or these people so that other people around you can see me through your actions. There's a lot of emotion in verse 2. There's a lot of prophecy in verse 2. God already knows the wife is going to be unfaithful. God already knows These children are going to be conceived in sin and out of wedlock. And the ramifications of the parents' actions, how that is going to impact the child or the children in the future. A devastating bit of prophecy. And he's saying that, he's, he's saying that sort of like for us today. We may have relationships that have come upon us, but God's saying, I need you to hold on to me 
by what you have to do in whatever relationship you're going through right now so that other people around you can learn about me from your actions. Okay, so verse three. So then what happens after this power pack? Verse two, verse three. So he, meaning Hosea, went and took Gomer, all right, the daughter of Diablame. <laughs> I can't say it right. Diablame. And she conceived and bore him a son. Okay, so that means he gets married to Gomer and then uh, she bore him a son. So that means this first child is Hosea's child. So it looks like the marriage is off you know, on a good footing, right? <clears throat> Doesn't say anything about Gomer being unfaithful at this point, and that's good. You would think Gomer's probably thinking in the back of his mind, man, I hope you know God's prophecy is, is not going to yet come true because um, everything's going okay. Uh, verse 4, And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. Okay, so the Jezreel means God sows. The translation means God sows. And so it's like Jezreel is representing what God planted in the land. Okay, and that's his word. This is his promised land. This is what his this child is representing um, the 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 fruit of this marriage. God, meaning the faithful husband like Hosea, he's going to marry this uh, girl Gomer, but she is not going to be faithful. None of the potential brides are faithful. That's like the land of Israel is not going to be faithful. None of the people are going to be faithful in the land. And that's like this picture. Even though the the, the bridegroom, the husband, knows that the bride is not going to be a faithful bride, he marries her anyway because he loves her. And that's God's heart on display. Uh, He's showing that his heart for the nation Israel, and all of us too, but the nation Israel is like that of a a bridegroom. And he's getting ready to marry this bride. And he already knows that this bridegroom is going to be unfaithful. He already knows it. But he loves her so much, he's going to marry her anyway. Can you identify with that? Can you begin to see how tremendous God's love was for the nation Israel, for all of us. He's marrying a girl that cannot meet the standards to fulfill the marriage vows that they're supposed to even take. So, um, So God... Tells Hosea to name his son Jezreel. Jezreel means God sows. He's representing what God has um, sown in the land. So he is a product of um, the husband marrying an un- a potentially unfaithful wife and having a son, and he represents the land. But then this 
this house of Jehu, I think, is a, a different kind of a king that was uh, vying for power or taking over in the northern kingdom. And um, so he's going to punish this house for the blood of Jezreel, for, in other words, for the damage that they're going to be doing to the land of Israel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. In other words, he's going to put down this, this other king, and he's going to also put down his own house, the house of Israel. And on that day, I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. So he's going to, he is going to cripple the land of Israel, the northern kingdom, Samaria or Ephraim, he is going to break them, and what's going to happen is the Assyrians are going to come in and invade, and it's because of the sin. It's because of the unfaithful nature of the people. And so um, he's going to punish the, 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 um, the kings for what they do to the land of Israel. God's using these other kingdoms to punish his own people, but he's also then going to punish them for the harsh treatment that they, that they give his own people. All right, so this is what we're going to see. Um, and then verse 6, she conceived again and bore a daughter, and the Lord said to him. Now, again, when you notice verse 6, she conceived again and bore a daughter, it doesn't say that she bore Hosea the daughter, like it says in verse 3, and bore him a son. This daughter, she just bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her name no mercy, for I will have no, for, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them all, to, for, to forgive them at all. <laughs> okay, so this next child is born out of wedlock, <clears throat> and this is a way that when you name your kid no mercy, that's kind of denying that this is even your own kid. This would be have been Hosea's way of, of publicly denying that this is not my kid. And so if the kid's doing something wrong or if the kid's, you know, Acting against the family, you you just say, well, you know, it's not my kid. I, there's no mercy on me, on, on this child, from me, because I'm not even the father. And that's what God's heart must be like. God's heart must say, you know what? You're asking me to forgive these people. I'm not even their father. There's no basis for me to forgive this child. This child is not even my child. Somebody else's father uh, <clears throat> is this child. Somebody else, some other person is this child's father. That's the person who's supposed to, to forgive the child when the child does something wrong. The child is supposed to come to the parent. But God's saying, it's like these children born in sin, these children uh, who have... Uh, disobeyed my teachings, they're not my children. Their father is sin. 
Their father is somebody foreign to me. There's no mercy or forgiveness for me. I'm not the father. I don't even have the parental authority to forgive the sin. Okay? Very interesting perspective in God's emotion here. Verse 7, But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, this is the southern kingdom, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by the bow or by the sword or by war or horses or by horsemen. So in other words, he's going to save them. He's going to save this southern kingdom according to his purposes. But it's not going to be through the military action. He's going to save them a different way. Verse 8, when she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. Okay, here comes another kid, and this again is not to Hosea, it's another kid. And the Lord said, call his name, not my people. All right, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. And so again, this child born in sin, not my people, it's another way of disavowing the relationship, the blood relationship between the father and the child. This is a child, we're going to call it not my people. And this is what God is, you know, calling the whole nation of Israel. <clears throat> For you are not my people, and I am not your God. And this uh, reference to you are not my people and I'm not your God, that goes back to Leviticus chapter 26, verse 12. And in God's saying, and I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. Okay, so this is this promise. This is this prophecy. But the people couldn't keep the promise. And so now it's, um, it's this like this analogy to the bride in the bridegroom, the husband and the wife, the wife doesn't keep the marital vows, has a child outside of, um, of <clears throat> the marriage. And so this label here, not my people, it sort of says what happens when you go against the marriage vows, when you go against the promise <clears throat> that God had made with the people, when he when he um, brings them out of slavery, out of Egypt, when he brings them out and he's saying, you know, I will be your God and you will be my people. You know, he's making a promise to them. Of course, when they disavow that promise <clears throat> and their sin conceives more um, works, meaning children or whatever they're, they're doing, God looks at that and says, well, what you've conceived is not <clears throat> this. You have a different father. This child has a different father. It's, I'm not the father. The father of this child is sin. And so what a terrible, terrible um, prophecy here. But he puts it in perspective like in human relationship 
So you can see that from a human standpoint, humans can identify with God's feelings. You know, that God's feelings says, well, you know what? You know, you broke marriage vows. You, no matter, no matter how much I loved you, you didn't even love me back. <clears throat> you had all, you had these other children outside of your, your promises of the marriage vow. Look at you. What a terrible, uh, unfaithful person you are. And the ch- child, the children that you've born into this world aren't even my children. The sin, the guilt is squarely on this, this unfaithful bride. And you can see if you're like most people, who's going to have pity on th- this, this woman here? <clears throat> and then the prophecy turns. It turns all around. 180 degrees. Verse 10. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, it shall be said to them, Children of the living God. So, just when it gets to the point where God is is casting the ultimate judgment on these and is and is talking about the nation Israel going to fall going to be completely broken God disavows them because of the sin of the parents <clears throat> God is is telling Hosea to tell that even though it's so dysfunctional, just like this, <clears throat> with such a broken home, a terrible tragedy, <clears throat> God is going to heal it. God is going to say that not only is this family going to be reunited, but the children shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot even be measured or numbered. And it's going to occur right at the place where this sin started. So God turns this whole prophecy around. And where it says, and where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. God is now going to say, these are my children. These illegitimate children born to a father of sin, it shall be said that these are going to be my children. And not only is it going to be turned it around, not my people, he's not only going to make these people his people, he's going to make these people his children. Okay? And he's not only going to do it for these few, he's going to do it more abundantly than you can ever imagine. <clears throat> How much love does it take to adopt a child of somebody that you, that an unfaithful wife would have? <clears throat> and then you got to forgive the wife, and then you've got to take the child in. You've got to adopt that child 
And then you've got to love that child just as that child was your own. That's a whole lot of forgiving. And that's what God is showing that He's going to do. Verse 11, The children of Judah and the children of Israel, that's the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom, shall be gathered together and they shall appoint for themselves one head. He's going to reunify these kingdoms. That was the original setup before the northern and the southern kingdom started breaking off and tried to, to go their own way. <clears throat> and they shall have one head. And they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. And again, Jezreel, the name for Jezreel is God sows. So, so this first child, Jezreel, Jezreel is sort of pointing to um, this glorious vindication for what God originally planted. Okay? And then as we peek into chapter 2, verse 1, uh, say to your brothers, you are my people, and to your sisters, you have received mercy. What an amazing start to this chapter. God's telling Hosea <clears throat> what's, what he needs to do, what's going to happen, how his children are going to be symbolic, and how he needs to act towards this wife, towards this, his own child, and towards his children born out of wedlock, and what he's going to need to do to accomplish, to bring this family back together, to bring this wife back, to bring these children back, to adopt these children that aren't even his children, not even his people, but to bring them back so that one day the original promise of what God had promised, God had sown in the land, can be made healthy again, can be reunified again. And that's what he's telling Hosea. His, that's what he's, his work is cut out for him. And that through Hosea's actions as to try to deal with this, this family that's going to be so dysfunctional so that other people can see what Hosea was doing as the prophet through his actions is prophesying to people so that they can see his works being put into action. He's not just a prophet sitting out on the street corner going, you know, speaking out a lot of things. He is actually putting his prophecy into day-to-day -day actions that people can see, understand that God is not just a God of, of, of words, but a God of action and deeds. Woo! Amazing start. Loving this study already. So for me to all of you, God bless you. We'll see you next time on Monday as we're all getting over bronchitis and ready to you know, continue our study. And now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, take it away. And God bless you all. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And we'll see you next time. Good morning. So today we begin our journey in the book of Hosea. And today's teaching is coming from the Old Testament book of Hosea 1, 
chapter 1 verses 1 all the way to chapter 2 verse 1. So here, Hosea um, was a prophet, an Old Testament uh, prophet, and um, he is known as a minor prophet. And, um, you know, Hosea occupied the position of warning the nation of Israel in the north, and he did it with a broken heart, but um, his broken heart comes from an experience that he has had um you know that is a personal experience that has come out of the fact that he's coming from a broken home so um you know god is using his experience as an example so where his wife had actually become a harlot and he loved her so much and he went back and took her again and she played the harlot again but he still walked out before the nation to tell them God's message about how God feels um, you know as he's had a personal experience you know Hosea has actually had that personal experience so he knows how actually God feels you know um, when the nation Israel was playing the harlot because of that personal experience that Hosea had ex uh, experienced like you know his wife uh, he married in, from harlotry and his wife played the harlot and um, and so he is giving that message that warning message um, to <clears throat> the nation Israel in the north so he has had a broken heart and that's how God feels because the nation is breaking his heart so you know imagine um, you know loving somebody and they keep on breaking your heart um, you know that is the sad situation of um, the nation Israel so this book has been divided into two major divisions and that's from chapter 1 to, cha to chapter 3 we have that which is personal so the prophet and his faithless wife Gomer so um, you know the scandal of his home which was the gossip of the town you know, I can imagine what he was actually going through. And then um, the other division is from chapters 4 to chapter 14. This is the prophetic um, section. And the Lord is um, the Lord and the faithless nation. So, you know, Hosea, um, you know, his name means salvation. And he ministers to the northern kingdom of Israel, which is also called Ephraim. Um, you know, after its largest tribe and um you know the nation um that um nation the kingdom the nation ephraim rather um you know was enjoying that prosperity and um you know outwardly they were enjoying that prosperity and growth but you know inwardly they were morally and corrupt and spirit and they were commit they were very morally corrupt and they were uh, committing spiritual adultery it was permeating through the people so spiritually, you know, they were just dead. And Hosea was instructed by God to marry a woman named Gomer. And he finds his domestic life to be an accurate account and dramatization of the unfaithfulness of God's people. So that's Hosea's story. So now, chapter 1, verse 1 reads, The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of uh, Berai, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. So here, you know, 
these were the kings of the south that were mentioned at this particular time and in uh, Jeroboam's days son of Joash king of Israel in the north so um subsequently like you know at that particular time um you know when the kingdom of the south had um you know the prophet Jeremiah who was a prophet with a broken heart who was warning that kingdom of the south and um it was you know at the same time as you know um um Hosea warning like you know a century before rather um Hosea was warning the northern kingdom about um their adultery so now verse 2 <clears throat> goes on to read when the lord began to speak by hosea the lord said to hosea go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the lord so here we have you know time given to us so this is the way that god approached the prophet and this wasn't just you know um, permission like oh you can go ahead and think this was a command so Hosea was a young man in the northern kingdom you know he met a beautiful girl you know from harlotry you know she was still in like the oldest profession and, and fell in love and then she played the harlot and he wanted to put her aside and you know um but he he he, he married her he wanted to marry her um but you know wouldn't do it in you know that little town where he was staying and you know the mosaic law actually stated that you know she had to be stoned if she committed um fornication and adultery and god actually commands him to go and marry her which would actually break the mosaic law and it's not wrong or a terrible thing when god actually says so so because god is never wrong god always does things for a reason everything for a reason and you know, uh, people will point out the fact that, you know, um, God commanded him to go and marry um, a harlot. Um, it's, it's more like, you know, our parents send us to do something. Like, you know, they're saying, oh, hey, do that, do this, get up and go to town. Or, um, you know, you have to do this in the store. And this, you know, they're, they're instructing us in the capacity of parents because they know best. And this is uh, the case of Hosea. God um, makes it clear to Hosea that, you know, how he will use you know Hosea's situation Hosea's life situation you know as an example as a dramatization to the nation Israel so um verse 2 you know it says here um um that's it says for the land has committed great harlotry so the land here is the northern kingdom has committed great harlotry departing from the lord so god is comparing that which is physical harlotry that's adultery to spiritual harlotry and this is applicable to the believer today like what do you put first you know are you putting money first you know the minute you substitute like you remove god from your life um, obviously you're going to substitute it for something else so which means something else becomes your god and you know this is what's applicable today you know a lot of people today are more concerned about you know um the modern day reality like oh am i popular you know you have all these <clears throat> things that people put first you know their looks and you know the next big buy or you know you know so that they could actually just put it out there on social media on instagram and um you know they they do it for the likes you know, how many likes do I have? How many people are actually following me? How popular am I today? And they remove God from the equation. So they put, you know, the social morality ahead of 
God. And um, verses 3 to 4 reads, So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of uh, Dibliam, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in a, while, in a little while I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of uh, Jehu and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. So here, you know, now the children of, of Hosea are going to actually present a spiritual lesson for the nation Israel. So Jezreel is the name of the son of um, Hosea that she bore him, the firstborn son, which means God will scatter and will avenge the blood of Jezreel. So God will scatter the northern kingdom. So the Israelites, um, sorry, he, God will scatter the, not the Israelites, sorry, God will scatter this northern kingdom, which he did, you know, when they were attacked by the Assyrians. And, you know, it, it, it's not the first time that God is actually using, um, you know, like, um, you know, names of the ch of children of prophets um, for a spiritual lesson. You know, Isaiah's children <clears throat> were actually also, um, you know, had spiritual messages for the nation Israel as well. Um, if we go back to our lesson in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah, God um, had actually commanded Isaiah to give his kids certain names that um you know had spiritual messages so <clears throat> verse 5 goes on to read it shall come to pass in that day that i will break the bow of the, of israel in the valley of jezreel and um verse 6 goes on to read um and she conceived again and bore a daughter then god said to him call her uh lo ru for I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. So lo, Ruhamah means, you know, unpitied. So God had no more mercy on um, the nation, the northern kingdom of Ephraim. So it's not possible for a person to actually cross, you know, like some people, you know, like they, people have questions. I also used to have actually have questions on like is it possible to actually just cross that line to just go on and on and on and just cross the line um cross over and um cross the line and god's grace not being able to actually reach us and um you know from dr jv mcgee's explanation you know the grace of god is unending that's what i also think it's an ending. God's grace is an ending. It just goes on. And, um, you know, it can reach down to us no matter how far we have gone, no matter how much sin we've committed. Look at Mary Magdalene. God says, you know what, um, your sins are forgiven. You know, sin no more and go. Look at Mary Magdalene. You know, the, the she was a sinner. Um, the amount of sin she had actually committed um, was like um, a lot. But God actually, just like that, he forgave her. So no matter how far off we go, you know, God's grace is an ending. So you can keep on sinning in, <clears throat> you can um, keep on sin sinning um, in the grace, you know, sorry. Um, and, you know, God will have grace and mercy. Uh, the grace and mercy of, of God will, um, 
you know, God will keep on um, extending his mercy. But, you know, you can keep on sinning and turning God's mercy and grace down um, and away. Um, you know, and that's what these people in the northern kingdom have, has actually were actually doing. And, you know, a day will actually come when, you know, um, you know, you s step over that boundary. But it doesn't mean God's grace um, can't, you know, God does, God's grace is not still there. God's grace uh, can't just reach you. Sorry, it doesn't mean God's grace can't reach you, I mean. Um, but, you know, it means that, you know, there will be nothing in you that God's grace can lay hold of. Because, you know, even the sincerity is gone. Like, there's nothing to lay hold of you because God's grace is still reaching. But, you know, you're far off gone. Like, um, because we have self-will as people. And it's up to us to turn to God, you know, with our self-will. Or to just keep on sinning and sinning. And then eventually, you know, that grace cannot get a hold. Because, you know, you don't even know if now you're just, you know, doing it out of sincerity. Or you're just lying to yourself. So, um, you know, you can't trifle with God. And this is what the nation um, did in the north. They did so. And God said, I will no longer have mercy on you. And that day came. And that day is going to come, you know, because you can't keep trifling with God, you know. You know, you're always um, testing God. You can't keep doing that, you know. Um, God's not mocked, you know. Uh, whatever you sow today, you will reap tomorrow. Verse 7 um, goes on to read, Yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah, will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, or battle by horses or horsemen. So God said he was not yet ready to judge the house of Judah. That's the southern kingdom. And why is that? And this was for the sake of David. So he wouldn't divide the kingdom unto Solomon for the sake of David. Again and again, he would save the southern kingdom. You know, um, because God is a fair God. You know, for me, God has been good to me. I mean, I'm I, like... I'm sitting in my car right now um, in the parking lot of work and, you know, there's like um, these, um, you know, some, some, some shrubs that have grown, that have, you know, overgrown. Obviously, they need a trim and um, the wind is blowing and it just, it's so beautiful. It's a nice day outside, you know, it's a clear blue sky and, you know, I'm grateful actually. I'm, I'm very grateful for, you know, being alive today. I'm able to breathe, you know, clean, good air and, um you know, I can see I'm, I've got good health. I managed to get up and go to the gym and, you know, I feel great. And, um, you know, I can't complain, you know, God is good. And, um, you know, God said he wasn't going to actually, um, God said he would, he wouldn't save, um, the Southern kingdom by bow sword and, uh, by the means of arms and we can see this story from the book of second kings 19 how god actually came through and through for these people second kings chapter 19 and isaiah chapter 37 we see the story of how god delivered the people in the southern kingdom but didn't deliver the northern kingdom so verses 8 and 9 goes on to read now when she had weaned lo hamar she conceived and bore a son. Then God said, Call his call his name Loami, for you are not my people, 
and I will not be your God. So here, you know, we have the all, all millennialists who say, see this, pick out this scripture and say, God's done with that nation. You know, because if you look at the nation today and, you know, you don't read scripture, like all of scripture and understand the word of God and just pick out, you know, certain uh, verses, um, you get to believe like, okay, God has actually is done with that nation, but he is in fact not done with that nation. You know, if you read the next verse, it says, yet the number of children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. So that nation is still growing. Not in Israel. It's like wherever they are scattered, they're still growing. And God's not done. God has a purpose for that particular nation. So they have been um, disseminated again and again by, um, you know, they've been persecuted. Um, look at the example of Hitler. And, um, you know, this prophecy says that he will increase the numbers and God's not through with that nation at all. He is not through. Um, verse 11 goes on to read mm, oh sorry let me just read down verse 12 verse 10 let me just read it again yet the numbers of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea which cannot be measured nor numbered and it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them you are not my people there it shall be said to them you are sons of the living God so you know he's not done he's not through with the nation verse 11 goes on to read then the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together and appoint for themselves one head. This hasn't yet happened. And they shall come up out of the land for great will be the day of Jezreel. So, <clears throat> um, Jezreel means I will avenge. So God will avenge and great will be the day of, you know, God's um, a vengeance. Yes. So now here, you know, the nation will come together and appoint themselves one head. So they don't have this and are not all in agreement today. But that day is coming. See, prophecy says that. So God's not done. Then we move on to chapter 2 of Hosea, verse 1. It reads, say to your brethren, my people, and to your sisters, mercy is shown. So here it says, um, you know, Ami... Um, you know, say to your it says says to your brethren. So that's um, Ami and Jezreel, um, and your sister, uh, Loru Hama. You are uh, pitied now. So here it says, my brethren. So say to your sister, say to your brethren, my people, and to your sister, mercy is shown. So God shows mercy. Um, so God is not yet through with that nation. You know, those people who he had said, you are um, not my people, um, they shall, it shall, there, you know, it shall be said to them, you know, you are sons of the living God. So we're all children of God. So we are sons of the living God. So it's not true because, um, you know, um, they will be avenged, Jezreel, and um, God will have pity on them. So yeah, this is today's teaching. Um, thank you all for listening in. Have a pleasant Friday. God bless and bye-bye.